0: This is the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. My name is Ansel Lindner, and I'm keeping you ahead of the curve in Bitcoin. Hello, Bitcoiners. Back with another episode. This is going to be part two of the case for deflation. It's like my uh, strong dollar thesis here. Part one, we went over a definition of inflation, uh, that it is a expansion of the money supply and that inevitably leads to increase in prices. Remember Mises said it inevitably leads to an increase in prices. So deflation would be the reverse of that, that uh, a contraction in the money supply that inevitably leads to decreases in prices. At the end of that episode, I left you with a question. If, Prices have to increase with money expansion, and we aren't seeing price increases. Do we have money expansion or inflation? Uh, do we need to revisit what we think of as money? Or does the money that we use today, does it follow the same principles as commodity money or fiat money? that's what I want to do in this episode is I want to take a look at these different types of money because I think that that will help us kind of work through this strong dollar deflationary argument. So there's three types of money. You probably know this it's debt money, fiat money and commodity money. So debt-based money is money issuance that has a corresponding debt. It's created by banks when they make loans or they, um, Lend money, that's conjured money, but it has a corresponding debt attached to it. Now, fiat money is conjured money, but it has no corresponding debt. And another telltale sign of fiat money is legal tender. When you see the term legal tender, that's fiat money. Uh, and then, of course, commodity money, and that's gold, Bitcoin, silver. These are real commodities. Okay, As The commodity money is what arises in a market naturally. And then fiat is government money. And uh, debt money, I guess, would be government or bank type money. Now, for the last 300 years, we've had a spectrum. We didn't have pure fiat because it had a gold backing. So it was commodity money with a fiat attached, making it legal tender, but it was also fractional reserved. So there was debt So there's debt money, fiat money, and commodity money all rolled into one for the last, that was the central bank standard for the last 300 years. Um, Of course, we have boom and bust with that, the business cycle. Then in 1971, we went off the gold standard. We had a global dollar standard after World War II with Bretton Woods. Dollars were uh, sent all around the world and entrenched in the plumbing of the global economy. And in 1971, we went off the gold standard. So this was a this was the first time ever that there was a global debt-based standard. It had been tried, you know, isolated economies, and it always ended in inflation. But uh, this was the first time it's been global, all right? So it's different. It acts differently. It's a completely different system. Uh, we can think of it this way. So under a gold standard, say, an economy has a million ounces of gold and then they strike a deposit or something like that. And the money supply inflates to 2 million ounces of gold. Their prices will also go up and there'll be an inflationary boom followed by a bust, but it won't be a deflationary bust because that gold is still there. There's still 2 million ounces. Now you could say that the gold will leave the country, but it goes somewhere else And somewhere else experiences inflation So the, you know someone else's deflation someone else Is someone else's inflation in that scenario But the global net Is no deflation Deflation does not happen globally But with a Debt based system That is a dollar system Around the globe the, the net total Is deflation Drastic deflation So it's a completely different animal When you're talking about a global economy versus an individual economy, okay? And we have a global dollar system that the Fed is not central to. The Fed is a banking authority, a domestic banking authority. So, okay. Um, We also need to think about debt issuance. When debt is issued or money is created in a debt-based system, new assets are also created. Because that loan is an asset for somebody. Right? It's a financial product, but it is an asset, and then you it can be bundled and securitized and deriv, have derivatives and be sold off. So the amount of goods, even though they're financial products, the amount of goods in the economy expands faster than the amount of money that is created. And so you have this ratio is constantly being out of whack to the deflationary side, to the to the price decline side. Now some of that can be stuck in the financial system and that's why we see financial products prices going up and that is inflation in that little pocket but net wise it's on net it's deflationary to do that because you create more products for that money to chase it's at least a one-to-one ratio right and that's why we see cpi having very low inflation and they're constantly fighting to keep, uh, the, what is it? Symmetrical inflation target of 2%. So they fight it if it's over and they fight, if it's under 2%, they have a hard time keeping it, uh, high because the inflation is all stuck in the financial products. But when that deflates, it destroys the money. It's actual deflation. It's different. It's, this is a different animal. Now let's talk about bailouts. So bailouts are a replacement, not an expansion of the money supply. So, uh think of it like a note a paper note replacement. So after a few years, you know the paper notes like our dollars in our pocket, they get worn out, they go to the Fed. The Fed destroys them and prints new replacements. Is that increasing the money supply? No, it's a replacement of the money supply. So when we have a deflation event, where money is being destroyed through defaults. Say $100 billion is destroyed, and the Fed or somebody else, the government, prints a $100 billion to plug that hole to replace that money supply. That is not technically an increase in the monetary base or an increase in the money supply. Now, you could say that uh, that expansion wouldn't have happened in the free market, right? You should just let people fail. And I would counter with this is not a is not an endorsement of this system, but I would counter and say with gold, the net is not deflation because on a global scale, gold will stay there. The money, the gold will not be destroyed by a default, but with a debt based system, the money is destroyed on a global scale. That would be the counter argument. It's extremely destructive. I mean, having a debt-based standard is extremely destructive in both ways, the boom and the bust. A gold standard or a Bitcoin standard would be better, of course. But I'm just pointing out the differences. I'm pointing out the system, the limitations of the system that we have, trying to understand it. So bailouts are a replacement. They mimic a gold standard Because gold does not get destroyed. (laughs) Right? Okay. This ends eventually in deflation. It ends eventually in deflation. It does not end in inflation. A global debt standard cannot end in inflation because what happens is people will lose confidence in the debt. That's true. People will say, oh, they lose confidence and they'll just print, 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 and they'll lose confidence. But they don't lose confidence in. A kind of smooth way, right? Confidence is lost, it's binary. that's why you can't debase debt it's a it's a unit of debt, either it's good or it's bad. So you can't debase debt and confidence will not be lost slowly. Confidence will be lost all at once and that's why we see these big things like we saw in the repo market in September. Confidence was lost and the market freezes, people default and there's hyper deflation. It's an emergency deflation. So the end of this system is not a slow inflation or even a runaway inflation. Uh, prices increasing, money supply going up and prices going up. No, it, this happens. This ends in a freeze, a big freeze and a massive default and a massive deflation. Now, to, to stop this, we need to uh, create a whole new system, of course. And you can just let it fail, but that's massive, massive pain and it will be avoided. I'm not endorsing that it is avoided. I'm saying it will be avoided at all costs. And does that mean you just keep printing and replacing this bad money with new money? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. That's what's going to happen until there's a Bretton Woods type of agreement they slowly maybe try to wean themselves off onto a CBDC or uh, back to gold, probably not back to gold, probably to a CBDC, because they don't understand what's happening either. They just know if they let it deflate, everything will be destroyed. So that's it for this one. In the next episode, we're going to talk about uh, liquidity and that big freeze, why that happens. And, uh, you know, we saw it in the repo markets. We um, have seen it happen over and over again. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the plumbing as well as I can. Uh, but for the for the meat of my argument, I've covered it. Okay, I'm just going to explain it a little bit more in the liquidity section. So thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you next time. What? No, no one said no you don't want I want to say, the Yeah, I want to do it hard work. Do you know what her is? do it, I'm not doing it hard And I try do it If you do it hard